1: Hey everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spiritualist Podcast on the MindPod Network. My guest today is Miguel Chen, who is the bassist for the punk rock band Teenage Bottle Rocket, as well as a Buddhist practitioner and a yoga teacher in training at Blossom Yoga Studio in Laramie, Wyoming. He also has a degree in business administration from the University of Wyoming, which he someday hopes to use for something, seriously, anything. Nice, man. Well, when you figure that out, help steer me in the right direction, too, and that'd be great. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Miguel, thanks, man. It's it's great to have you on. You know, we connected, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I read that really great article you wrote for Lion's Roar, which actually there's a couple of things from that I want to talk about today, um, but I knew of your band well before that. So it was just cool to find out you had that Buddhist and spiritual tie-in, and uh and this is the first time we're actually chatting besides you know Facebook messaging back and forth. So thanks for coming on the show, man. It's great to connect like this finally.
2: Uh, thanks so much for having me, Chris. I'm, I'm really excited about this one.
1: Well, vice versa. Cool. So let's start. I figure let's start with punk rock. And the reason I want to start there is because one of the coolest things for me since I've endeavored on this spiritual journey from going to various sanghas, to churches, to synagogues, to whatever, um, is constantly running into a lot of punk rock and hardcore kids, you know, somewhat older in age. But, you know, I found that very fascinating. And, and you know, I believe a lot of that has to do with, you know, we get into punk rock and hardcore because we're angsty, because we're looking for something more, you know, everything at face value isn't really um, feeding our insides in the way that, you know, very passionate punk rockers and spiritual people tend to be. So I think it's really cool that I'm running into more and more people like that. And you are a prime example, you know, of punk rock as it gets and, and doing what you're doing. So I want to talk first, like I said, about punk rock, your introduction to it. What what led you to punk rock? You know, what were some of your first records or shows? Like really, let's take me back to the beginning of your punk rock career. And then we're going to kind of transition from there into the spiritual aspect.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, growing up in Wyoming, you kind of, you don't have the most exposure, I think to popular culture. Right. I mean, now maybe with the internet, but definitely back then, not as much. And, um, there are some kids who are a couple years older than me right around early junior high. And, uh, they were all like skater kids, and I remember one of them had this T-shirt, and it was a takeoff of a uh, tricks, like trick cereal or whatever, yeah. but it said uh, "no effects," yep. and instead of "tricks are for kids," it said something like "no effects is for punks" or something like that. And I was like, "That's rad!" Like, I don't know what that means, but that's really rad. And uh, right around that same time, like Green Day had like a pretty big. Mainstream hit with with Dookie, which I think that record single-handedly is responsible for a whole generation of like punk rockers who might not have otherwise discovered it. But yeah, so I got into that, and I sort of had No Effects in the back of my mind. I still didn't really know what it meant, but you know, I knew these older skater kids were people I looked up to, and I knew his shirts said No Effects. And then it would have been one of my birthdays. I think I was probably about twelve. Somebody gave me a copy of No Effects, Heavy Petting Zoo. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, that's one of the first yeah. That's
1: one of the first punk uh, posters I had. Was from that classic.
2: Oh, it's it's a pretty punk record <laughs> cover, but uh, yeah, they gave it to me and. Uh, I mean, that just changed everything right off the bat. It was just the fastest, most awesome record I'd ever heard. And from there, I started picking up, like, the Punkarama compilations and getting into stuff like Fat Records and Epitaph and just super stoked. And, you know, I think it was a few months later before I was kind of asking kids around school for, like, a dollar here and there so I could save up and buy my first electric guitar and uh, start a band right away with my friends. We all kind of dove off the deep end pretty quick, you know, all started like dyeing our hair green or pink and like shoving safety pins through our ears or eyebrows and like spray painting like our band logo on everything we could and like we were terrible. (laughs) <laughs> we, I mean, we were, like, such an awful band. But, you know, we were, we were just kids. We were just all, you know, 13, and we had no idea. But, like, I think what we lacked in ability at all, we definitely sort of made up for in, like, sort of passion and desire to, like, be this punk rock band, you know? Yeah. It was the coolest idea in the world to us.
1: I'm laughing because I'm thinking of one of my first bands, my first hardcore band, but it was more, this was when like bands like Bloodlet and Dead Guy and, uh, you know, that kind of noisy stuff was really becoming big. And and, um, I, I had some friends similar to you, older friends that got me into, from Primus and, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana into punk and hardcore. And I remember we went in to record our first demo. I don't remember how we found this guy. It was in his basement studio. None of us knew him. I I think he might just had an ad in the paper. And I'll never forget. So we did this four song demo and, he was mortified at it. He's like, Don't put my name on this demo. Like, seriously. We thought he was kidding. He's like, No, I'm serious. Like, I don't want my name anywhere associated with this. And we're like, All right, dude, whatever. Like it doesn't matter. So yeah, we were terrible too. But it was it was the passion, like you said, you know, and it was just cool as shit to go to a show and skateboard, you know, load in and you have some time and you just skateboard out in the parking lot or whatever and just hang out and, and you know, just be dumb with your friends. Like so oh, yeah. yeah, man, I, I hear what you're saying. So anyways continue on
2: oh yeah i mean man we were all dumb at some point right i mean <laughs> we might all still be dumb I was gonna say yeah i still very yeah. much
1: think i am but in a fun <laughs> way
2: remains to be seen but <laughs> but yeah i mean you know I, i'm sure the same with your band like we didn't know how to tune instruments or play guitars or like write songs or sing or like do anything we we're just kind of out there just lost
1: anyway. yeah yeah
2: and, so, and so
1: you were like 13 ish around this point? Yeah, yeah.
2: When cool. we started, I don't even want to say the name. It's so embarrassing. But <laughs> when, when we started that band, Fair yeah, enough. we were like 13. And then uh, we started to take note that there were like a lot of punk shows going around in Laramie. And we were kind of like, wow, this is like happening. There's, there's things happening. It's so awesome. And there's this old garage called the Hickey House. That would do all these punk shows. And through that, I kind of caught wind of this band, Homeless Wonders, who were, you know, seven years older than me and like just the coolest thing ever. And I found out that like Homeless Wonders were like touring and stuff. And I was like, this is so amazing. Like this band from Laramie, like this kick ass punk band is like traveling around. Like that's what I wanna do. Right. And uh, through that same place, the Hickey House, and those same shows, I caught wind of the band, the Lillingtons, who uh, signed to Panic Button, which was this division of Lookout Records. And it was so amazing to me that these people from Wyoming were like doing it. They they were like out there on the road, and I was so excited about it. And so I kind of made friends with Homeless Wonders. So those guys kind of ended up taking me under their wing, and uh, it turned out that that was Ray and Brandon Carlisle who uh, started Teenage Bottle Rocket, who now I've been in a band with forever. And it it was this weird life sort of like placing the pieces slowly for you know, for things to be the way they are now. And looking at it in retrospect, I had no idea when I made friends with those two guys, like how many records and how many shows and how many places we would travel together and like how huge of a part of my life they would end up being. So that was Homeless Wonders. And uh, meanwhile, the Lillingtons I was talking about, um, I met Cody who is the lead singer for that band because of Ray and Brandon from homeless wonders. And he also ended up being in teenage potter rocket with me. And it is the most bizarre thing. Thinking back on it all, just how, like, what are the odds of, you know, these four punks in Wyoming kind of finding each other. Right. Uh, and, you know, doing what we do. It's, it's crazy. But, um,
1: and cause you guys have been going for Christ, how many years now? 12, yeah, 13 more.
2: Uh, Ray and Brandon started the band in 2001. So 14 years. That's amazing.
1: That's, yeah. you don't hear that, you know, a lot of bands a few years at best and, uh, the egos get in the way. You know how it goes, the drama. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. We've seen a lot of bands come and go over those 14 years and, you know, I, I'm definitely so stoked and grateful that we still get to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you find in, in your guys' case, the fact that, I mean, you guys are such a fun band, you know, your lyrics are fun. Your songs are fun. It's, you know, it's just like a nice lighthearted punky thing you're doing. Do you find that helps in like being on the road, are you guys just having a good time usually? Do you think that ha- has helped you stay together this long? Or do you still get into what all bands get into?
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously we we get into our little, our little fights here and there or whatever. But, you know, I think when you're in a van with someone 24 hours a day for <laughs> 200 days out of the year or something, it's kind of inevitable. But, you know, we get over it pretty quick. I think... As far as like writing fun music or whatever, the aspect of that I think that helps us stay together is that we all sort of love the same bands and we're all interested in making the same type of music. So there hasn't ever been any like rules or regulations as far as like what's okay to write and what's not. We just happen to land on the same page and it's the most incredible thing thing you know and so for us just sort of writing music that we like and doing our best
1: right on so one of the first things I noticed in uh, one of the first pictures I saw of you was you were rocking one of Noah Levine's meditate and destroy shirts Um, so I'm assuming Noah and maybe I'm far off on this but I'm guessing Noah had some sort of uh, influence Bringing you onto the spiritual path, or am I mistaken? What what uh, sparked your interest in Buddhism? And then I know you're also doing yoga, so we'll talk about that too. But let's start with the the Buddhism and meditation aspect.
2: Definitely. Um, I mean, I would say that, that that book, Dharma Punks, was a huge thing. But uh, I guess when uh, when I was a kid, my mom was kind of the more like spiritual parent or whatever um but uh you know how you are when you're a kid always kind of write off whatever your parents are into so at the time i kind of paid no mind to it and uh i had actually my my mom got like pretty sick when i was a teenager and she ended up passing away from uh cancer when i was 16 years old wow and so that was a pretty, that kind of got me thinking about it, like a little bit about like spiritual practice, because I sort of saw how much it helped her through her illness and sort of how present she was with all of it, despite, you know, what a terrible, awful thing it was, but uh, oh, yeah. Um. And then uh, about seven months later, my older sister was actually involved in a car accident, and uh, she ended up passing away as well. So jeez, that, uh, that sent me really kind of down a dark path, you know, like um, I spent the next few years just kind of in a full blackout, just doing whatever I could to kind of try and not have to deal with the pain of, like, losing my mom and my sister, and um, it, again, it's sort of a weird thing looking at, in retrospect, because it did sort of send me down the path to get to where I am now, like, as heartbreaking as that was, um, it sort of gave me a lot of drive to like live, to like do the band and like, you know, like follow my heart because I kind of saw it as like, you know, this could all be over, whatever. So like, why not just play in a band and like try and be happy? So uh, I did a lot of that and, uh, yeah, the band started doing okay. And at one point we got asked to go out on tour with this band, The Epoxies who were like an old fat records band. And, um, I was just so stoked. Like teenage bottle rocket on two opening for this band. I love, and, um, we were on the road with them and their lead singer. Her, her stage name is Roxy epoxy, but her, uh, her real name is Meredith. And we ended up becoming pretty good friends and, um, kind of talking about like, you know, issues either of us were facing in our lives. And, uh, At one point on that tour, she actually ended up giving me a copy of Dharma Punks. And um, that was sort of what got me to revisit and to start thinking about spirituality again. Something I kind of had, you know, buried pretty deeply over the years following my sister and my mother's death. So, um, I mean, right from the get go, the first go through that book, I was like, wow, there's like, there's some really powerful stuff in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, and then I kind of forgot about it. I kind of went back on with my life. I was like, okay, that was rad. And then I just went back to sort of blackout phase. And, right. Meanwhile, the band is kind of like doing better and better all the time and we're traveling all these cool places. And I just found myself at this point where I was like, I, I'm doing it. Like all of these like dreams I had as a kid and as a teenager, like I'm doing it, it rules. Like here's my punk rock band and I'm playing with my friends and like we're in Japan or wherever this is like so awesome everything you know around that time we were signing to fat records and like doing tours with no effects and I was just like I couldn't I couldn't ask for life to be more laid out perfectly like according to my dreams like everything I want to be doing I'm doing so why am I still so unhappy inside and that was the point really where I like I picked Darba punks back up and I picked up this book my friend's mom had given me around whenever my mom died called uh the four agreements Yep. and right around then all of a sudden it just clicked harder than ever and I just started reading like every book I could possibly get on the subject matter like everyday zen was a really big one um yeah. Of course all of the Brad Warner books were really relatable to me yeah. in a, in the punk rock thing and that's when I finally was just like cuz I'd tried meditating a handful of times before but never really stuck with it that was the point in my life where I was like if I can't be happy considering how awesome everything is <laughs> like I need to do something and that was the point where I started a daily sitting practice and that might have been the single best thing i think i ever did for myself and now it's been that's been years of every single morning no matter what i i find a little time to sit and meditate and you know sometimes it's on an airplane or like in the van or like a dingy backstage or something <laughs> but like i i recognize how important that is for sort of my my wholeness. And so yeah, every single morning.
1: Yeah, man, that's so important. And that's something for me that I you know, I, I rely on it daily, of course, too. Um, you know, I, my dark path does not resemble yours, and I didn't know that about you, so I'm, t- you know, it's very sorry to hear that. Um awful. Uh but it was kind of my own brokenness as well, you know, that led me to the path. And uh, I find that that's the case for many, many people. You know, we don't show up on the spiritual path because life is so incredible. You know, it's all unicorns and rainbows. It's, uh, you know, some shit that's brought us there. And we're looking for more and we're looking for a way to be able to live life, you know, with some semblance of peace and acceptance around what's going on. And that's why I'm so glad that there are authors like Noah and Brad out there. Um, though, in my case, the interesting thing was they weren't my introduction. You know, I, I started, of all people, you know, a professor in school gave me Eckhart Tolle's book, you know, The Power of Now. And this is like 12, 13 years ago. So, you know, it was before the whole Oprah thing and before he was a household name. And I mentioned that because, you know, it, like the punk rock me would have been like, no way, I'm not going to read that. Like, <laughs> but I did. And it flipped everything upside down for me. And and in my case, it led me to the books by Ram Dass and Ken Wilber and Thich Nhat Hanh and Pema Chodron. And finally, a friend after all that turned me on to Noah. And I still hadn't heard of Noah's work. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, uh, you know, this is incredible. Look at there's another dude like me doing this. And um. And that was also during the time where I was, you know, exploring sangas and starting to meet a few other punk rockers and younger people, and then getting turned on to Brad's books, which are all wonderful. Um, so it, it's really cool to see that that's there's more and more of that happening, and it's becoming available to younger people. Because I find right now, which I've written a, a bit about, is a lot of people come to the spiritual path, and on the one hand, you have that dogmatic rigidness of old-time religion and on the other hand you look at the bestseller list today and it's a lot of very fluffy love and light spirituality and I'm not talking shit about either one but for people like you and I and a lot of others like us you know that typically doesn't resonate you know we need something a bit more raw and ragged and I feel like that's what Noah and Brad are doing and even though some of the old school like zen texts and and or any of you know from a lot of the great wisdom traditions the older material is raw and it's it's really profound so so you're you're doing your daily practice which is great you know you're you're doing it on the road and i was actually wondering like how does that look in a van with a bunch of dudes but so you're doing it that's great um and then where does yoga come into all of this for you
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I'd actually had a sitting meditation practice and sort of like a self-study practice for years. And I kept having friends be like, you know, if you like this stuff, you should try yoga. I think it would really be good for you. Like, I bet you would love it. And the whole time I was just like, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, you know, like, just I've got my thing. It's working for me. Like, I don't... I don't need yoga, whatever. Like, you know, that's all, that's all like skinny, blonde, white women with, you know, perfect family or whatever. Like it's, it's not me. And, uh, seriously, more and more people just kept being like, you have to try yoga. Like, it's going to fit so perfectly with your, with your path. You're going to love it. And, uh, I was seeing this girl and she finally sort of like forced me into it. Yeah. She was finally she was finally just like just go to classes for a couple weeks. You know, if you hate it, you never go back, but just like give it like a true honest shot. And I did. Like my first class was a uh, a hot vinyasa class so it was like a heated room like 102 degrees or something you know and yeah. here's me like you know like the only exercise i really got at the time was like moving equipment or <laughs> jumping up and down on stage you know and all of a sudden yeah. i'm in this like crazy hot room with all these like seemingly more athletic than i people and i walk in i'm like this is gonna suck <laughs> and then It was actually really quick. It was within the first couple minutes of being guided through breathing and just starting to do it. All of a sudden I was like, shit. (laughs) Like, they were all right. Everybody was right. Every single person who was telling me to do this, like they knew. And I had been too stubborn, I guess, to listen until now, but it just so quickly and immediately became A huge part of my life and I guess just from a physical standpoint it was good to sort of be doing something physical and active besides just moving gear and playing but you know it also started to like help me with back problems from sitting in the van all the time or you know neck problems from head banging as hard as I could and that sort of stuff but uh right right it it did sort of expand on, like, I started feeling the same sort of connection with myself and with the present moment that I had previously found in my sitting meditation practice. And all of a sudden, I started studying more and more yoga and learning more about, like, this isn't just about a physical practice. Right it's also about meditation and it's also about self-study and it's also, you know, about really finding how you connect to the world and learning more about yourself and more about your connection to other people. And it fell so perfectly in line with like non-duality and mindfulness and, Metta and all of these other concepts I'd learned through Buddhism that I was just hooked. I was just, you know, I I was like, this is the second best thing I've ever done for my personal well-being and like after the sitting meditation practice. And now it became another thing that I have to find time for every day, even if we're on the road. and. Sometimes that means like if we have time, I can find a class somewhere to go to, which is a nice treat when it happens. But other times it means like I've got my dirty ass yoga mat in some parking lot with like some truckers like staring at me, like wondering what the (laughs) hell I'm doing or, you know, but it has become an equally important part of my daily routine as far as self-care and diving inward. And yeah, that's sort of where that started.
1: Yeah, that I mean, that's really awesome. And I know you had put a post up on Facebook a while back before you guys headed out on your most recent tour, and you're talking about the, the video project you were working on for your class, and you were looking to potentially meet up with some people on the road. Um, did you have any success with that? Do you find like you're able to connect with other punk rockers that are doing yoga
2: I've been so amazed by how ready punk rock seems to be for yoga like wow I've met so many people who already are punk rockers with established yoga practices and then I've met so many more people who are just just open to it and willing to give it a shot and it's it's just been amazing like um The thoughts sort of started to come back or come to me like last summer we were out on the van's warp tour and I was doing, you know, yoga in these dingy parking lots by myself. And uh this girl Isla joined up on the warp tour and one of my buddies was like, Hey, my friend Isla is gonna be teaching a free yoga class tonight after Doors at Warp Tour, like after everything's shut down, you should go check it out. And I went. And, you know, there was a group of, like, five or six of us, but I was like, this is a lot like a class back home, except, you know, we all have tattoos, and we're, like, surrounded by tour buses, but the concept is the same, and um, she kept offering free classes throughout the whole Warp Tour, and I was going, like, every night until mid-tour, like, I slid out of a trailer, hurt my ankle, spent the rest of the tour between a wheelchair and, like, crutches, so... I couldn't do it anymore, which was a a huge bummer, but it did leave a lasting impact on me that, like, okay, if this sort of thing can work on, like, a a festival-type tour like the Vans Warped Tour, like, what's to keep it from working on just a, a single band tour like a regular punk rock tour? And so I started thinking about that, um... You know, I signed up for a yoga teacher training program. And along the whole ride, they would kind of allude to at the end of this, you're going to have like a big final project. And it has to do with like your dharma and your path and what you want to do with teaching yoga. And so for me, I mean, it just became pretty obvious like immediately. I was like, you know what, I want to do? Like, I mean, in between tours, I want to teach back home. I think that would be awesome. Right. But how do I bring this out on tour? And so then that's where that post came from. I was like, you know, I'm doing yoga every day on tour anyway. Why not invite some people out and see, see how it goes? And so many people wrote like immediately just like, Dude, if you're doing yoga in Atlanta, or if you're doing yoga in this city, like hit me up. I'll be at the show early. And, you know, to every single one of them, my response was like, I would love to. Awesome. But our schedule is so crazy that uh. I won't. <laughs> like, I won't really know until the day of. Okay. It's yeah. Possible. Yeah. But like people were so stoked and most of the time it did end up working because you know like in a band your schedule is always so like okay here's doors or here's load in and here's doors but nothing's ever on time or you're late or you know all of a sudden you're like I haven't done laundry in two weeks this is my only chance to like get clean clothes it's always seems to be something but it was weird I sort of like opened up to this idea of like doing yoga with other people and just having people meet up. And all of a sudden the schedules just started like falling into place. And so I had a lot of people meet up either for just like seated meditation or for like physical yoga throughout the trip. And I was interviewing a lot of people for it. And, uh, halfway through the tour, I deleted half of my hard drive. Oh no. <laughs> Which was a huge bummer, but I was able to recover a good chunk of the footage and then a lot of the people who I had interviewed, I just like sent them messages sort of explaining what had happened and they all like re-recorded interviews and just emailed them to me. Oh cool. Uh, which ended up looking better than the footage I'd gotten on my GoPro anyway <laughs> but um you know like I I essentially what you did for the project was just send me a video talking about some questions I had and so I had the same thing from a lot of other people and I I'm I'm wrapping up my teacher training right now actually I just had my last weekend and so now Really all that's left is to hand in this final project, so I've been working on editing it all together and i'm I, I mean i've I've never made anything like this before, so it's all very new and I'm learning a lot but i I've been really touched and moved by all of you guys and like how insightful and awesome the answers have been to it's motivating me even more to just, like, there's all these, like, punk rockers out there with this, like, yogic or mindful or Buddhist connections, and there's so many more who are, like, open to it, and it's the stuff I really believe can, can help people, and so while I've been piecing all of, all of your clips together, I've been really just moved and motivated to to do more so so thank you again by the (laughs) way for doing that
1: oh i was very happy to contribute man i think what you're doing is great and you know just to help spread it around especially to the younger people so important man so anything i could do to help of course um so you mentioned non-duality before which is something that's very important or has become very important in my own life, you know, studying and more importantly, having the experience, you know, which comes through things like meditation. And I wanted to, I actually have a couple of quotes. I want to start with one of two. Um, that I pulled from the the Lion's Roar article that you wrote. And for those listening, when you look at the webpage that this is linked to, you'll see the link for that, the entire Lion's Roar article, which I encourage everyone to go check out because it's a really excellent piece of writing. So I just wanted to read uh, about a paragraph's worth of material and then kind of discuss this because I think it's really very important, um, a very important aspect of the spiritual path. So... You wrote in this article, I'm a musician, a punk rocker, a Buddhist of sorts, a yogi. Most of all, I consider myself an individual. But the further I come along on my path, I realize that while that's true, I am an individual. I am also the same as everyone else. The more time I spend on a meditation cushion, or turning inward during yoga, the more I realize that this self, quotation marks, I have held onto so tightly for my entire existence isn't really what it appears to be at all. The self is an illusion, yet also very real. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. So I, I think it's important and I would love to discuss a bit about this illusory self. You know, it, it's something that all of the great wisdom traditions touch on, uh, many of them in their more mystical forms of their tradition, but uh, it seems to be a very common theme amongst them. Um, and also, you know, this illusory self, as, as you know very well from Buddhism, is one of the you know, biggest causes of suffering, you know, or grasping an aversion based on our sense of self. So talk to me a bit about your experience with the illusory self coming to actually understand that there is a such thing as an illusory self and, and how you know that that helps you on your path today.
2: Yeah, man. you know. coming back to punk rock, I guess, there was a lot of a lot of people in punk rock sort of struggle to find an identity or find sort of what separates them, them from other people, and they look at themselves, like maybe they look at someone with opposing values, and they're like, "I'm not like that. I am this." And so I kind of grew up with that. And in the long run, I think that led to a lot of like suffering in my own life. And not that I think it's, it's bad to have these identities or whatever, but the big difference, I think, is this identity has to do with how you relate to the world and so do the ideas of like separateness. It's sort of how you define yourself, how you survive as a physical human being. Because if you're like, okay, I am not separate from let's say this giant ass knife that's just chopping back and forth, you're like, <laughs> we are one and the same. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get your head chopped off. And right, then, right. And then you're not a you're not a human being anymore. But we sort of create these things with our mind and that that I like to think of it sort of as our mind is this tool that we're given to survive in this world and to sort of communicate in, in this world, like in this life. But the way we grow up and the way we're taught at some point, the mind kind of tricks itself into thinking that it's, the boss, like it's in charge and it forgets that it's just this tool for survival. And meanwhile, we all have this deeper, authentic self that doesn't know separation, that is the same within you or me or George W. Bush or Fat Mike from No Effects or every single human, animal, like all of it, it's all the same at this like authentic level. And a lot of our suffering as human beings comes from forgetting that Mm -hmm. and losing touch and starting to buy into this fake separateness and forgetting that we're really all connected a lot more deeply than we grew up believing
1: yeah that's really well said man it uh it reminds me of a time a few years ago where i was covering uh, a slayer and motorhead concert for my website two bands i absolutely love and this is when lombardo was still in the band and and before jeff had passed on so i'm so psyched i got to see them one last time but so i had a photo pass and i'm standing up there in this big arena setting and uh motorhead was coming on and you know i had i'd only seen them once before so i was super jazzed to see him and sure enough lemmy comes out and he's like two feet in front of me sitting on the stage and he's playing his badass rickenbacker but he's playing a model that i'd never seen before so you know my first instinct is holy shit lemmy whoa you know like this is incredible (laughs) um and i'm snapping some pictures and then i stop for a minute and i'm i'm just looking at this bass as they're kind of ripping into their first song you know this beautiful leaf inlay that's uh, that's carved into it and my mind just starts thinking about interbeing you know which Thich Nhat Hanh talks quite a bit about and he's been a great great influence in my life in regards to that and so I start thinking about this base and in regards to interbeing and then I start thinking about the tree that it came from and the sunshine that had to you know shine down on that tree and the rain and the clouds that all had to come together to help that tree grow. And then, you know, the tree ends up getting cut down, ends up in a factory, a Rickenbacker factory. And then there's the craftsmen at the factory making this instrument, going even deeper. You know, these craftsmen's parents had to, uh, you know, make love to have the the their child. And it just keeps going and going and going. You know, it's all interbeing. And, you know, it all just... <laughs> hit me, you know, and I'd had other experiences, but I, I love that I had that there at a Motorhead concert, you know, cause it's like of all places I'm having just this kind of deep nerdy spiritual experience. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was just really cool that it, it came full circle, like in that way. And, um, and I actually write a little bit about that in, in my next book, but the other hand of that, that I think it's important, um, is that, it helps hopefully show people, especially younger people, that spirituality isn't just resigned to sitting formally on a meditation cushion or in a yoga class. I mean, that is absolutely a part of it, and, and that's great, but it's something that's constantly happening, you know, it becomes a way of life, literally. And, you know, as I wrote about in Indie Spirituals, I had a crazy Van Halen experience. I had, you know... a a really deep loving awareness experience at slayer like it's it's nuts, but like the, that's what happens in life. You know things start to shift, and your perception and your awareness starts to shift, so i uh I don't know for any younger people listening who are kind of on the fence about spirituality, just know that it's not like a a stuffy thing if that's what you think it is, and I had that misperception too to be honest, man. 12, 13 years ago, I didn't know the difference between religion and spirituality. To me, it was just one and the same, and it was a crutch. And, you know, I had that very angsty, like, you know, you don't need any of it. Like, you're weak. And now, in retrospect, like, I see how wrong I was. But, hey, to each their own, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent. But that's just what came up for me in the moment.
2: Yeah, I I mean, with that base is, like, such an interesting example because it is i i always revert back to every single thing that has ever happened throughout the history of time had to happen for this moment to be happening as it is right
1: and this is because that is right
2: exactly and this is because all of that is and i it's it's a concept like we can sort of think about like a little bit, again, with like our mind, this tool we have, but really grasping that in its entirety is like far beyond our capacity as a human being. And again, this deeper authentic self that we all share, Right. that's the part of us that, that can grasp it. And, you know, with like sitting meditation practice or yoga Sometimes you can come back into contact with that for just seconds at a time maybe if, if you're like really, really lucky. But um, I guess that, that's why they, they, they call it a practice is because here you are on this mat or on this cushion sort of practicing, like truly connecting with this moment in all of its glory even for just moments at a time you practice on the mat and then you bring it out into the rest of your life. And then next thing you know, you're like a Slayer and motorhead show. Like, and boom, there's, there's a the connection that you've, you've been practicing for because it's, it's really, I think available to all of us at any given moment. Like right. it, that's, that's our natural state.
1: Right. And uh, that's the importance I think of, and you nailed it. Like yes, thinking about it's great, and that helps. And contemplative practice—that's important to me. But it is true when we sit, you know, that we we really b- begin deepening and cultivating that relationship with that inner wisdom, that deeper self that that is within. I was just saying to my wife earlier today. Uh, I did a forty-five minute meditation this morning, and I came out of it. It was a very deep one for me, and I was like, "Jesus, it felt like ten minutes." You know, I just I couldn't believe forty-five minutes had gone by. Then again, I'll sit sometimes for an hour, and the majority of it will just be my mind going, you know, chatting away with itself. You take the good with the bad, you know. It's it's all, as Ram Dass would say, grist for the mill. But it's it's just beautiful to sit and and become more deeply absorbed and have that experience granted when you're aware of the experience there's still the dualistic aspect of it but you're going deeper you know you're you're on your way you're making progress so that's i'm glad you mentioned that because that is very important there was one other quote that i really loved and it it still touches on the non-duality aspect um You said, and this is again from the Lion's Roar article, you would said, There are many readings and teachings about non-duality, about emptiness, non-attachment, and so on. And while they are very valuable, they will never give us a true understanding of the teachings. That can only be truly understood by diving inward, quieting the mind long enough for our deeper self to present itself. There is a part of every single human being that knows more than our ego or logical brain can interpret. In this part, there is a basic goodness, a part of us that truly knows what is right or wrong for our lives and what our true way forward is. No matter how different we may seem on the outside, our paths are all connected, all essential. My path isn't any more or less valuable than your path. We are all equal pieces of something bigger. If that's true, the best thing we can do is to live according to our own truth and allow others the support or space they need to do the same. That's so huge, man. And that's so well said, like truly, truly well said. So I thought, you know, I know we already covered a lot of that, but let's talk about honoring our path, you know, and being real with ourselves when we're getting into spirituality. I know Buddhism is great for a lot of younger people because there's in many aspects of it, there's not the dogma of the word God. Uh, attached though in some you know some people like Thich Nhat Hanh will use it and, and and that's fine they use it in a different context but you know Buddhism won't necessarily resonate for everyone just as maybe contemplative Christianity won't or Vedanta won't so you know in, in your case you found what works for you and and that's awesome and and as did I and and I'm very grateful for that and I try to stay open and fluid on my path always allowing you know To be able to learn from not only other teachings from the wisdom traditions, but life itself, as we've been talking about, whatever is happening in front of us at the moment has the capacity to be a teacher for us. So I guess tell me a little bit about... I, maybe it's easier for us because we're punk rockers and we kind of have this instilled attitude of whatever, man, like, you know, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. But I know I, I've met a lot of people that that step on the path and, and it can be daunting when you have no experience with spirituality because there's so much to choose from. There's, you know, there's new languages and new words and uh, malas and, you know, just all these different things. And so people can kind of just get consumed with trying to imitate someone else's trip, you know? So what, what advice I guess would you have for, for those newly interested in spirituality?
2: Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I mean, like you, you said, like my path isn't going to look like anybody else's path. And I think that's really important to keep in mind, like just because you're interested in Buddhism doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to have like a shaved head and orange robes living in some monastery somewhere. Right. Um, I think growing up, a lot of the issue a lot of us took with religion was it was just sort of presented in the here's how things are. Yeah. Sort of mentality. Like you didn't really have a chance to explore or to try to figure out. Someone just gave you answers and you could believe them or not. And to me, that's really the beauty of spiritual practice versus maybe like organized religion, not to say there's anything wrong with organized religion, but the idea of seeing for yourself and finding your own truth has always been hugely appealing to me. So for someone younger who is maybe looking for more answers my my biggest advice would be like just sit down with yourself somewhere quiet for a little bit every day mm-hmm. and the answers will start to make themselves known to you you'll start to see sort of what resonates with you but at the at the very least You don't have to have any background in anything. You don't have to believe anything at all. Right. I think you can see the value in just taking just a few minutes for yourself every morning and doing so sitting quietly will help you to find your own
1: truth. Yeah, that's cool, man. Or like Brad Warner would say, sit down and shut up. Just go go inside. That's the, that's the most important thing, man. Giving yourself that time to really go inside and and find out what does and does not work for you and be honest. So I couldn't agree more. Uh, The last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is not to bring up Facebook again, but you know, I, the times I scroll through Facebook, which honestly is not that often these days, which I'm kind of glad about, but when I do, man, I love that I will often see a post from you that is just expressing some sincere, heartfelt gratitude. And that is so huge. Like, that is something for me that I really, really had to work on in the beginning. Because I was filled with a lot of just anger and a lot of, like, wreckage from my past of, of addiction and using. But once I was able to start working through that and really, really cultivate sincere gratitude for not just the big things but the everyday things like you you will often post about like that started to change everything for me and and i love seeing you know that when i do scroll through you know oh there's a cool miguel message so you know i thought that'd be a cool way to kind of wrap things up is is just share a little bit about gratitude and and why it's so important to you absolutely
2: again when you look at it through the lens of Every single thing that ever had to happen had to happen for us to be here. It becomes pretty amazing to get to wake up every morning and to get to breathe and live in this world with so many other beings. And again, sitting practice helps to cultivate this. But when you start to connect with that I think it's sort of impossible to not have gratitude because it's just such an amazing gift to get to be alive Mm -hmm. and when you realize your present moment can exist how it does without every other being and every other moment that has ever happened there's nothing left but gratitude
1: yeah wow beautiful man well we talked about teenage bottle rocket for those listening they have a a new album out which is great it's called tales from wyoming and they have a handful of other excellent records that came out before that but this one's just out on rise records your first album with them correct it is awesome and they're a great label they have a lot of my favorites like hot water music and seven seconds poison the well bouncing souls tons of great bands so that album also, along with some of your other ones, will be linked on our page, so I encourage everyone to go check it out. It's a good time for sure. Uh-oh. And holy shit, man, last thing I got to mention is tomorrow, I know this will air after the fact, but if I'm correct, tomorrow, you guys are opening for the replacements, right? How um,
2: crazy is that? <laughs> dude, yeah. Well, that's
1: my question. How crazy <laughs> is that for you?
2: It's It's totally crazy. I mean, Brandon... <laughs> Our drummer, Brandon, called me a couple months back and he's like, dude, we just got like maybe the craziest show offer we've ever got, which I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect because, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to play with a lot of our favorite bands. So I was like, OK, what is this going to be? And then he said the replacements and I was like, wow, like not only are the replacements playing Denver, which is just huge to begin with. But, uh, yeah, I can't believe we got asked to open it and again, feeling very, very grateful.
1: Yeah. Well, cool, man. Have a most excellent time. I can't wait to see some pictures and hear all about it. But again, Miguel, thank you, man, for your time. Thank you for what you're doing out there, spreading the good word and and bringing the authentic punk rock. It's all good stuff. Um, your website's linked so everyone listening check out everything we have linked on the page Miguel thanks man
2: dude Chris thank you so much man I I seriously am very thankful for you and your friendship man it's been great
1: cool vice versa take care
2: cheers man